0: All right. Uh, Good morning. Hello. It's great to see you all here in person, folks online. Uh, It's been a minute, actually. I've been on sabbatical the last six months, and I've missed you all. And I was asked this weekend to talk about my sabbatical. And um, it was wonderful. It was an amazing gift. And I can't believe that I was actually resistant at first to going on sabbatical. Um, I remember being in Michael's, our senior pastor's office, and um, he had just gotten back from his sabbatical last year, and he still had that sabbatical glow. And he was like, you all need to do this. You know, who's next? And he looks around the room and he points at me. And internally, I'm like, no, I don't need to do that. I got work to do which is probably exactly what you'd expect from a recovering workaholic. Yeah, Uh, we all, I have my brokenness, right, my idols, we all do. Um, And sabbatical, Sabbath, rest, they confront our idols. God commands us to rest, the fourth commandment, because he knows we're little idol factories. And by taking time, deliberately taking time to, you know, trust God with the unfinished, as as an act of faith, stepping back from our regular work to worship and rest, renew, repair. It's really healthy. Now, today, in our culture, lots of folks, they, they don't even think they can take one full day off of work a week for Sabbath. I mean, to, to take a six-month sabbatical, that just sounds like crazy talk. And let me just say, you know, many things God says sound crazy at first. And, but please, don't just miss out on rest, Sabbath, in your life. You know, maybe read Hebrews 4 or, you know, talk to God about it. Consider obeying Him. All right, today I was asked to talk about my sabbatical. And I was initially resistant to that, too. Uh, you know, it was wonderful. I learned lots of great things on sabbatical. But here on the weekends, we preach from the Bible, not from the head of John. But during sabbatical, I did read, nearly every day, I read the book of 1 John. So we can talk about 1 John today. So grab a Bible. It's page 832 on the Bibles we have here. Um, I think on a deeper level, I was resistant because the sabbatical just seemed so personal, right? It was between me and and god and, and you don't need you don't want to know that it's just private hold that thought okay let's start in first john uh, right in the first verse of first john it says that which was in that which was from the beginning which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes which we have looked at and our hands have touched this we proclaim concerning the word of life that's jesus john is talking about his best friend jesus the life appeared We have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. John knew Jesus, and he wants the experience he had with Jesus. He wants to share it with us to pass it along. We proclaim to you that we we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father. And with his son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. See, what God gave the Apostle John wasn't just for him, it was for him to share. Following Jesus is a group sport. Don't let our culture fool you. There is no such thing as individualistic Christianity. Christians, our hearts, our our joy is connected. We are linked together in a fellowship, a partnership with God and each other. You you probably don't know this as a uh, recovering attorney. I know uh, nerdy facts like this. But the actual legal name of this church is Vineyard Christian Fellowship Duluth. That's pretty cool. And by the way, the things that I learned on sabbatical, they're not just for me. They're not private. They're for this fellowship. And the same thing is true for the things that God gives you. They're not just for you. We need to share them to make our joy complete. Okay, before I tell you what I learned on sabbatical, I want to tell you that this is an impossible task. I can't tell it all to you. And I don't even know it all. Some things that God did, I don't even have words for yet. But you know, with God, all things are possible. So here we go. Faith in action. Um, here at the Vineyard, for Duluth Vineyard sabbaticals, there are three parts to our sabbaticals. There's rest, reevaluation, and revisioning. Rest reevaluation, and revisioning. So I'm going to tell you the big thing that God gave me in each stage. Also, uh, we're in the, the series of talks on questions that Jesus asked. You know, Jesus keeps asking, what do you want? And I love that. That is so cool. I mean, Jesus cares enough about us not to give us a straight answer to our questions. He wants us to think and grow so he is super annoying in a loving way and answers our questions with a question. So, that inspired me, right? The question for me today is, John, what did you learn on sabbatical? And like Jesus, I'm going to answer that with a series of questions. And sure, I'm not Jesus. I'm way more annoying and less loving than him. But please, please play along, okay? Take these questions seriously. Think about what your answer is. If you're watching the live stream, maybe post your answer in the chat there, okay? So, here we go. First part of sabbatical is rest, and the question for rest I actually stole from Dallas Willard. Uh, Dallas Willard writes about first John and he says, "When the elderly apostle John, who had been the kid among the apostles, came near the end of his long life, he said, This is the message you have this is the message we heard from Jesus. It will be very useful in helping us see." where we actually stand if we ask ourselves, before looking at the rest of this statement, how we would automatically finish his sentence for him. What is the message Jesus brought, according to us? And then we might also ask our friends and acquaintances, if you do this and write down the answers you elicit, I think you will be both astonished and enlightened by what you get, Okay, don't look at First John. Don't start out by cheating, okay? What is the message of Jesus? What is the message he brought? What is it that the kid heard from him? Take a second, okay? Maybe write it down somewhere. I don't know, grab that thing in front of you. There's a pen there. Just write down what is the message of Jesus. Go. For me, in my life, for the longest time, I would have said some version of Jesus, the Son of God, Died for our sins. Jesus died for our sins. And that is true. But that's really more a message about Jesus than a message of Jesus. It's kind of the difference between um, believing in Jesus and believing what Jesus said. What did Jesus say? For me now, I often, when I'm reading the Bible, I pay attention to how Jesus talks about he's here, he was there, he's he's giving us life, right? He promised us eternal life. And not just really, really long life, life of the kind of life that God has. And sure enough, that's in 1 John 2. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. And everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, born into new life. Or, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and his life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. So I want to answer that Jesus' message is, get a life. Get a life. What, did, what, did you, what was Jesus' message? It was, I have come to give you life to the fullest. And yeah, that's true. But maybe it's still more a message about Jesus. What did the kid hear? Well, after a lifetime of firsthand experience with Jesus, here's what John, the Apostle John, wrote. This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. Boom. Wow. Before sabbatical, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't have summed up the message of Jesus as God is light. I wouldn't have. I I didn't see how super important it is that in him there is no darkness. God used sabbatical. He used rest to to teach me anew the importance that God, God is totally good and his love for us is amazing. And if you're thinking right now, duh. God, of course God is good and loving. I don't need to go on any sabbatical to learn that. This pastor is not very bright. Uh, if you're thinking that, that's kind of mean. But, but it also points to something. It does. It points to something. It points to the fact that the gift that God gave me during sabbatical, it was way less about learning that God is light, and it was way more about believing that God is light. Yeah, so much of us maturing as followers of Jesus is just actually believing the things that we already know. And really believing, knowing, seeing, experiencing that God is light, that He is good, feeling His incredible love for us, that changes everything. Everything. Yeah, without it, we can't trust God. No, they they didn't eat the fruit because it looked super yummy. Adam and Eve, right, they rebelled against God because they didn't trust him. Yeah, they stopped believing that he was totally good, that he was totally on their side, that he would meet their needs. For you and I, it's the same thing. All our rebellion, all our idols right? We, 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 we lie. We steal from work. We, we, we drink too much. We watch porn. Whatever our sin of choice is, we do it because we don't trust God. Now, we'd probably say, oh yeah, I believe that, that God is good, right? That whole light business. Yeah, you bet. But we act like he's holding out on us, like we got to take care of ourselves. And you know, whatever our sin of choice is, Jesus never says, hey, you, you just got to try harder to do the right thing. No, because he knows we can't on our own, right? The message of Jesus is God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Boom. And we can press into the light. Yeah, us humans, we actually get to decide what we think about That's what changed for me on sabbatical. So right now, I've got a few more questions that are going to help us press into the light. So here we go. First, how are you taking time to smell the roses? It's a cliche, but it means something. If we're going to enjoy a rose, you have to focus on it, right? Focus your senses, your mind. you got to get close and see it and smell it and and linger. And then comes the aroma, the the beauty, the delight. During sabbatical, I spent a ton of time outside in, in nature. And it moved my soul. It pointed me to God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Yeah, and really, for centuries, us humans, we found God in nature. Before we started worshiping science, and I love science, pretty much everyone saw God in the glory of his creation. It was a natural inference from creation that there is a good and powerful God. And that still works. And even if you don't see the logic of God in creation, we can still experience his presence. We feel him in his creation. So, Take some time to smell the roses, right? Sit and watch the birds or, you know, go out, go out for a hike or a, uh, a paddle. Maybe, maybe, you know, just look in a baby's, actually look at a baby's face. Wow. Or check out the images from the space telescope. Use creation to, to see, to believe who God is, good and loving One of my favorite sabbatical memories is I took a two-week silent retreat. And during that, pretty much every day I went hiking. One day I went on a longer hike, 10, 12 miles. and, And just the beauty of the jungle and the cliffs and the ocean, it overwhelmed me. And there I am all by myself, and I just start weeping because of the goodness of God. He loves us so much. Who are we that he would even bother with us? And he doesn't just bother with us he gives everything for us seeing god in creation is a good start but it's not enough it was never meant to be enough we need more to see the father heart of god so next question how are you taking time to smell the jesus all those things I said before, right, about smelling and focusing and thinking about roses and nature, how are we doing those things with Jesus? Uh, well, it helps to read our Bibles, right, to, to hear the things Jesus said, to, to uh, see the things he did in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Picture them, imagine them, reflect on them, let them go deep. Deep during sabbatical, I read a book, and something in it really bothered me. Um, The author talked about how he meditated on the cross, Jesus' cross. And although it impressed him, the, the goodness of God, the love of God impressed him, he didn't feel drawn to closeness with God, and I, I, I couldn't believe, I, I, that is just so sad. <laughs> I, for, for me, I'll tell you, I go back in my life, and I spent, I don't know, o- over 15 years, nearly every day I would spend time thinking about the cross. The start of the day. Maybe it was just. Most days it was just five minutes of thankfulness. But other days it was a lot longer because there is so much depth, so much beauty, so much love in the cross. Meditating on the cross, it taught me about God's incredible love for us, and it it allowed me to love Him back. It it changed my life forever. There's no way I would have gone from being a successful attorney to being a pastor in the middle of nowhere without the cross. No, God is light. God is light. Please, don't settle for just being impressed by, by God's love. You know, I bet the devil is impressed that, God, that Jesus would actually die. He would experience hell in our place. He would give us his righteousness. He'd rise again. It's all pretty impressive. But don't, st- don't stop there. Go further. Let it change you. Let the goodness of God change you deeply. You know, experience his love. There is nothing more beautiful, more powerful than Jesus' love. Seriously, take time to smell the Jesus. Next question. How good is your life? Yeah, you know, your, your, your real life, your get up, go to work, go to school life, your, 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 your body, your relationships, your actual life, how good is it? Maybe that sounds like a weird question, but this is part of seeing that God is light and in him there is no darkness. Dallas Willard, he writes, We will never have the easy, unhesitating love of God that makes obedience to Jesus our natural response unless we are absolutely sure that it is good for us to be and to be who we are. This means we must have no doubt that the path appointed for us by when and where and to whom we were born is good and that nothing irredeemable has happened to us or can happen to us on our way to our destiny in God's full world. Any doubt on this point gives force to the soul-numbing idea that God's commandments are, after all, only for His benefit and enjoyment, and that in the final analysis, we must look out for ourselves. Now, we're going deep here. Some of us, we don't like ourselves. We don't like our lives. And it's hard to hear that you can't. It's not possible to reject yourself and love God. For me, the way that God dialed this up while I was on sabbatical is he had me go to California and visit my mother. Spend time with her. Because you can't be thankful for your life without being thankful for your parents. Now, not thankful for everything they've done. Some parents have done horrible things. But thankful for who they are. They gave us life. They are part of our identity. Now, I know in our culture, it's really easy to ignore the fifth commandment. Why would we honor our father and mother? Again, something that sounds crazy that God says that turns out to be genius. Now, I, I know that we're all at different places, okay? We're with seeing God's goodness and his love, we are. And some of us, maybe we're at the start, and we really need to see God's goodness in nature, right? We, we need to see it in Jesus, in the cross. We need to build a foundation. But if we're ever going to get the play, to the place of seeing that in him there is no darkness at all, we're going to have to look at ourselves. And there is no us, other than our actual lives. If this is hard for you, please get help, right? Ask a friend who's been following Jesus for longer than you, maybe a small group leader, a pastor, someone to help you find God's goodness in your actual life. This is important. Okay, one more question here. Um, to see that God is totally good and that, that, that His love for us is amazing. And this question comes from reading way too much, maybe, of 1 John during sabbatical. Um, the question is, who are you? Who are you? I mean, what's your core identity? If you had to sum up who you are in ten words or less, what would you say? Well, the Apostle John, he only needs three words child of God. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him for, for, well, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. Okay, there's way more in there than we can unpack today. Um, this fall, I'm going to be leading a study uh, through the book of First John. So come, we'll go into it in depth. it'll be great. All right, but for today, after I bothered so many of you, I bummed you out with the last question, honoring our fathers and mothers, you know, seeing goodness in lives that are really hard, we need some perspective, okay? Never forget that God chose you. Yeah, no matter who you are, no matter what you did, God chose you. He loves you. You. Yeah, the king of the universe sees you, and he smiles. And he's like, that one, yeah, oh yeah, that one. I love that one. I want that one too. That's you. Do you know that? Do you believe that? Do you live like that's true? God is light. It is so important to see that he is totally good, and his love for us is amazing. All right, that's what God did during the first part of sabbatical, during the rest, right? And that is foundational. He's still doing those things in my life. But let's move on to reevaluation, all right? Um, God loves us so much. So the question is, do we love him back? Or put another way, are we doing this following Jesus thing right? Okay? And, And I mean, seriously, It's pretty clear that what God wants from us is to love Him back. Love God, love people, period. So, if we're honest, in our real lives, what do we love? Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, come not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. The pride of life, that's the one that hooks me. What about you? And I'll tell you, First John is known as like the love book, you know, God is love. What amazing love is the Father lavished on us? And that's all true. But there's lots of stuff in First John that make you question whether you actually love God, whether we're following Jesus right. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. Or, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. All right, that's pretty broad. How about a specific command? Whoever, whoever claims to love God, yet hates his brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And And, we have, and he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Well, what does that look like? This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with action and in truth. All right, there's way more challenging stuff in 1 John. But I'll tell you, when I reevaluate, right, when I take time to compare my life to the biblical standard, to living like Jesus lived, I don't live up. I don't. And I'm guessing you don't either. What do you see in your life? The thing I learned during sabbatical is that we are way more frail and broken and sinful than we want to admit. But that's not what's most important. It's way more important that God is light, right? God, he dealt with our sin problem. Jesus dealt with our problem with sin. If we confess If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim to have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, let me be clear our sin is important. Jesus sacrificed himself for our sins. Yet, because of our pride, we obsess on our sin. We blow our sin way out of proportion. Yeah, one big way we do this is we spend a ton of time and energy trying to ignore our sin. Yeah, we are working hard to cross things out of the Bible that we don't like. You know, that stuff about caring for the poor, immigrants orphans, you know, the, the widows, the, the, the parts of the Bible about sex and marriage and divorce, or, or, or maybe the warnings about money and greed and idolatry, even things that we've touched on today. Most of us routinely ignore the fourth and fifth commandments. Another way That we're working hard to do this is by spending a ton of time and energy managing our sin, right? We work super hard to keep it under control to make sure it's acceptable, right? We we only tell white lies. No adultery, maybe just a little porn, right? We, We don't gossip, we just post comments on social media, right? We don't hit people with our fists, but we might hit them on Twitter, I mean really if you look at our lives we're we're good people we're trying hard we, we we read what it says in 1 John when it says this is how we will know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child nor is anyone who does not love their brother or sister and we're like okay I'm going to have to work on it at it but I can try to do what's right I mean I do what's right most of the time you know I can show a little love I, I got this. But, but we don't see that it doesn't say that if you try to do what's right, then you become a child of God. It doesn't say that at all. It, it doesn't say sin management gets you in. No. It's talking about who's already a child of God or a child of the devil. And it's saying that if you're, a, if you're already a child of God, a sign of that is that you do what's Right? Here's the deal. We're obsessed with sin, with ignoring it, with managing it, because the most offensive thing there is, the most offensive statement that you will ever hear in your life is this Jesus died for your sins. He had to die. You can't save yourself, you're spiritually bankrupt. Just like me, you are way more frail and broken and sinful than you want to admit. Can we swallow our pride? Can we give up on ourselves and go to him empty-handed? See, when we go from knowing that Jesus died from our sins to believing that Jesus died for our sins... That's when we stop. stop. We stop working so hard to ignore our sin, to manage our sin, and we start living. And we can do that. We can give up on ourselves. We, We can take the insult because Jesus died for our sins isn't just the most offensive thing we'll ever hear, it's also the absolutely most loving. God is light. In him there is no darkness. He loves you so much. It is safe to stop striving, to to stop defending our pride. Even now, can can we breathe in God's love? Holy Spirit, come. Come. Come now and help us to fall into Jesus' loving arms. Yeah, Father, you're what's most important. We're so frail and broken and sinful, and you choose us. You love us, you save us. Lord, help us in our unbelief. Come, come. All right, so my sabbatical First part gave us God is light, Second part, reevaluation. it gave us that we're horrible sinners, but that's not what matters most. Now, to the third part, revisioning, okay? And for revisioning, I stole the question from Jesus. What do you want? Yeah, what do you want from Jesus? Really want? How about writing that down? What do you actually want from him? Seriously, think about it. Fire insurance? Forgiveness of our sins? Sure. But think bigger, okay? He promised eternal life, life to the fullest. When I read 1 John, the part that best sums up what I want, what I want now and at judgment day is this. God is love. Whoever loves, whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how Love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect fear, but perfect love, excuse me, drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. I want that from Jesus. I want to live in God's love without fear. I want to be transformed to live in this world like Jesus. And after sabbatical, after studying 1 John, I am convinced now more than ever that if we actually want it, we can have life to the fullest in Jesus. Seriously, it's true. And on sabbatical, God reminded me of the path, the way, and we got there in kind of a funny way. It started out actually with my son. Uh, my son is a soccer player. He's actually obsessed with soccer. He goes to boarding school to play soccer. And one day we were talking about training and games. And he he said he said that, you know, in the heat of the moment, when you're in a game and the pressure is on, you don't rise to the occasion. You sink to the level of your training. And it hit me. That is so often true for following Jesus. Yeah, sure, sometimes the Holy Spirit shows up and miracles happen. But most of the time, when we're faced with a decision, a temptation, the choice to do what's right, we don't rise to the occasion. But, you know, the sin management stuff doesn't work, right? It it doesn't change our character to live like Jesus. There must be more. And then I read something else that Dallas Willard wrote. I love that during sabbatical, you have time to read lots of books. Um, He wrote, We often speak of people not living up to their faith. But But the cases in which we say this are not really cases of people behaving otherwise than they believe. They are cases in which genuine beliefs are made obvious by what people do. We always live up to our beliefs, or down to them, as the case may be. Nothing else is possible. It is the nature of belief. And the reason why clergy and others have to invest so much effort into getting people to do things is that they are working against the actual beliefs of the people they are trying to lead. Again, so much of us maturing as followers of Jesus is just actually believing the things that we already know. We need to pay attention to our beliefs, to actually look at what we believe. Do we believe that Jesus can give us life to the fullest? Do we act like it's true? (laughs) And sure enough, this thing that I'm talking about here, this is in 1 John, and I don't have time to unpack it all today. Come to the Bible class on Wednesday nights, okay? But I gotta give you at least one verse out of 1 John. And this is his command, to believe, believe, right? Believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And to love one another as he commanded us. Commanded us. Now, for the sake of time, I'm going to way oversimplify this, okay? Um, so, if, we go, if you go through 1 John, one of the things you see is that belief, belief is linked with obedience. They go together faith in action and another thing that you see throughout first john is that um, love and obedience they're also linked together right we don't obey we don't follow his commands because we feel guilty or because we're earning something no we obey to love him back because he first loved us and also in first john abundance and obedience are linked together, if we can get past our unbelief, our failure to trust, we start to see that obedience following doing what God said is the abundant life that is life to the fullest. This is why here at this church, sometimes we describe our mission our our, our mission for this church for this Fellowship is this, we are willing to teach anyone who will submit themselves to Jesus how to do everything Jesus said to do. Do you see that? It's belief, submitting yourself to Jesus, actual belief, together with obedience, the doing, the teaching, the training, those things in community with the power of the Holy Spirit, that's where you find life to the fullest. All right. I rushed that, okay? <laughs> I, I'm sorry if I, if, I missed, if I lost you, okay? I, I'm trying to be sensitive, loving to those of us who can't sit that long without having to go pee because I can relate to those people these days. I'm getting older. So if I, I did rush it. I'll, I'll, I'll confess that. But before we're done, please, let me just like kind of sum this all up. Let's just make it really practical here at the end. Here's, again, the things that I learned on sabbatical, right? That God, he, he is totally good and his love for us is amazing. That we, we are, we're we we so broken. And we're frail and broken and sinful. More than we want to admit. But that's not what's most important. If we actually want it, we can have life to the fullest in Jesus. If we want it. Remember Jesus' question. What do you want? And wanting, to to, if we what wanting looks like is this cool combination of belief with obedience, faith in action, and we can press into belief with obedience. First, all the things we already talked about today. If you want to press into, if you, belief with obedience comes from the fact that God is light and in him there's no darkness, right? It, it, it comes from going from just knowing that God is good to believing it. It comes from experiencing God's love, right? We love because he first loved us. Feel the goodness of God, right? Feel his love. Please, do it in nature, in Jesus, in the cross, in yourself. You are wonderful. The king chose you to be a child of God. Seriously, this is important. (laughs) There's no life to the fullest without being loved by God and loving him back. There's no eternal life without actually believing that God is light, that he is safe, and submitting our lives to him. Second, at the very same time that we're doing that, that we're pressing into his love and his goodness, we got, that has to be happening, okay? But at the very same time, we can take steps to, to, to press in to belief with obedience. There's training that can happen. There's exercises we can do. There, 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 there's practices that we can participate in. Now, to be clear, this is not sin management, and, and it's not earning anything. We, we've got to stop being so obsessed with our sin and focus on Jesus. And earning, that, the earning is opposed to the good news of Jesus, right? His, his forgiveness of sins, his new life, they're a gift from God. But let me tell you, um, being opposed to earning is not the same as being opposed to effort. Read the Bible. Read First John. Following Jesus, becoming like Jesus takes effort. It does. Because God loves us too much. He respects us too much to change us against our will. And you see our will, what we want, and what we make an effort for as we make an effort even just a lame little effort to open ourselves up to the god the holy spirit comes and he transforms us he he makes it so that we can obey we can live like jesus we can have the good life so in, in the real world what how, how do we play how does this play out right okay maybe instead of trying on our own to control our idols and we all have them what, what if we actually Practice some Sabbath, some rest, and let God confront our idols there, right? Rather than, I don't know, maybe trying to stop watching porn or or get rid of our inappropriate lust on our own, what if we read the Bible, found some friends and studied the parts of the Bible that talks about sex and and love and, and meditated on those truths, you know, as an alternative to, to trying to control our, our greed or our gluttony or, or trying to handle our anger and our, and, and our hatred, or our unforgiveness. What, what, if try, what, if, what if instead of trying to do that on our own, we took some time alone with God for silence and solitude and listened to God. Prayer. We spent time in prayer and actually heard what our loving Father says you know, you know I- instead of of thinking that we could take con- control our pride or our envy or or our need to be in control what what if instead of thinking that we can do it what if we learn to fast right to give up food or other things so we could get our focus on to god yeah I- instead of giving in to our 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 self-pity or our guilt or just dreaming of, oh, I could actually have the good life. What if we got our poop in a group and we actually showed up at small group, okay? There's some great s- small groups coming up this fall in October, right? I'm actually helping to lead a group that, that, that where we're going to talk about transformation and actually being, living like Jesus. Right now, where, where are you feeling maybe a little nudge, right? You know, the elbow from the Holy Spirit, Like, there's a place you could make an effort. You you could show that you actually want this. Where do you feel that? Again, the the question for us today is, what do you want? It's Jesus' question. So what do you want? If we want it, if we actually want it, we can have life to the fullest in Jesus. Let's take a look close look at what we actually want, how we actually live. Let's do that with Jesus now. I'm going to invite you to stand up. Um, we're moving into ministry time. This is time where we talk to God online. You can stand up too if you want, and we're going we're gonna to pray. We're going to hear from God. So, God, I, I welcome you here even more with your love and your light and your goodness and Holy Spirit, I ask that you shine that bright light of truth on our lives and what we actually want. Do we want you? Do we want to live like you? Do we, want, do we think that you can give us life to the fullest? Maybe we know a whole lot about you, we've heard about you, but we do actually believe it. Come, Lord, and show us the truth. Just have us take a look at our lives, how we live. Come, God. We need you and we need your love. You are so loving. There's no wrong answer here. There's just the truth of where we are, and there's a loving God calling us into more. Come, Lord. Maybe where we're at, Lord, is we just want to want to be like you. If we look at our lives, we don't actually do much. We don't make really much effort to be like you, but we want to want it. So God, if that's you, again, help us to press into your goodness and your love. Help us right now decide that we're gonna do that. We're gonna press in to your love so we can go from wanting to want it to actually wanting to be like Jesus. Come, Lord. And and I bet there are some of us that actually truly want to be like Jesus. You know, we look at the alternative, right? I mean, sometimes, Lord, we think about making sacrifices and following you and making an effort, and we're like, oh my goodness, that's so hard. But what we don't look at is how hard it is not to. If we don't don't press into this, we're living a life without your peace and your joy and your hope. This world is so hard. We need you. We need the good life. And God, if we actually want it, come and help us press into it. Maybe we're at a point of, of, of how, do, how do we do that, right? You know, we, we've talked a ton here about um, belief and obedience. Well, just standing here on a Sunday, it's hard. It's easy to say, yeah, I believe that. I want that. But how do, we, how do we press into that? Lord, I think the thing we can do right now is we can make a decision. Yes, I want to be like Jesus. I want the good life. And we can start to make a plan. I mean, in, in life, if we decide to do something, we make a plan. If we say we want to, I don't know, buy a car and we never make a plan to do it, we didn't really decide to buy a car. So right now, let, let's, let's make a plan. With the Holy Spirit's help, God, show us how to make a plan. Right now, you know, maybe it's just a one-point plan. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually read the Bible and listen to God. Maybe it's a ten-point. I know It doesn't matter. Well, right now, Holy Spirit, show us the things that we can do. To show, to, to, to show that we want this. We're going to make an effort not to earn anything, but to actually live like you. Come, Lord, come. You know, I, I'd like to invite the ministry team to come forward. I think we have people here that can pray. Um, and if, if God is elbowing you, we'd love to pray for you. If, if this is something he's doing in you, that he's saying, you, you, you know you want to see more of his goodness more of his love. Let's pray for you. You you know you want to go from just knowing this stuff to actually believing it. Let's pray for you. If there's anything you need prayer for, I don't know, maybe there's uh, you need healing in your life, you're in trouble financially in your relationships. God has things for you. Let's pray for you this morning. Maybe you want to celebrate the amazing stuff he's been doing in your life. You're excited about it. You're fired up. Let's pray for that. Online, you can click the little get prayer button, and there's someone there to pray for you too. So um, again, thanks for coming to the vineyard. Um, I'm going to invite you to stay a little longer. I know this has been long, but stay a little longer and see what else God has for you. Thanks.